South Africa has been rocked by another fake qualification scandal. But this one, like Matthew Lani, amateur, Tabiloka, step aside right now because this scandal is like nothing I've ever seen before. And if you don't know about it, you deserve to know about it. And if you think you know about it, you deserve to know more about it. So that's one of our stories on News Worth Knowing on this episode of The Issue with Dan Corder. The second one is, in the last week, South Africa has finally got to see the ANC's CADA deployment records. Mm, the DA has been trying for so long. We've wanted to know as a country for so long what the ANC has been up to. And the Constitutional Court finally ordered the ANC to hand the CADA deployment records over and... It's a juicy story. So let's get into it. This is News Worth Knowing. This is The Issue with Dan Corder, because we all know that South Africa is a movie. Welcome to The Watch Party. South Africa is wild and overwhelming. And on this show, we explain, analyze, and understand the biggest news stories and issues facing this country every single week. Two episodes of The Issue come out every single week on podcast and also in video form on YouTube. And we also release weekly exclusive episodes of interviews and analysis on Patreon. Go find us there. Lastly, if you're new here and enjoy the episode, it would be so wonderful if you clicked subscribe or follow. It makes a huge difference as we develop the show going forward. Right, let's get into it. It takes a lot to shock me. It takes a lot to shock most South Africans. Like, you know, if you just read a bit of news every day or you even are just sensitive to the world's movements through your social media algorithms, you're going to get a lot of content and a lot of it's going to be pretty shocking and rapidly you're going to get desensitized and then it requires like a Tabo Besta level uh, criminal disaster for you to really get the attention of that crime story. But this fake qualification scandal unreal okay let's talk about it and i must say in a country where we have world-class pedigree fakers as i mentioned before matthew lani tabuloka we've got some world-class talent here when it comes to faking your qualifications and cooking your cv this guy langaleswe madonko he's not a scammer he is an artist it pains me to say it but he is he needs to be recognized needs to be given his flowers this guy might be the best fiction writer, at least from his CV, that this country's ever seen. Zeksimda, cry your heart out. He's probably also like the best actor South Africa has ever seen to be able to pull off this level of I pinky swear I know what I'm talking about-ness. Again, John Kani, you've got no chance against Langa Leswe Madonko. So Langa Madonko is actually the co-founder of a private equity company called Summit Africa that currently manages over 1.6 billion rand of telecom assets and municipal pension funds and also a bunch of other portfolios, including with a financier from Britain. And that's about the last true thing you're going to hear me say for a while in this story. Those things are definitely true. Langa Madonko was one of the co-founders of that company a number of years ago. They definitely do that work. Right, now let's talk about how Langa Madonko at least wanted people to think he got to the moment of co-founding Summit Africa. And I need to really emphasize this. On numerous posts across numerous websites of numerous companies and organizations that have been associated with Madonko over the years are bios of Langa Madonko's work history, his CV, the story of his work life. And they all say pretty much the same thing, that he has a degree from the London School of Economics. Yeah, that's the same place Tabi Lawaka claimed that she has this now missing PhD from. 
LSE must be so sick of the plus two seven extension number. They must just they must just make a web you know on their web page at this point they must just make a post and on the post it says so like on the homepage you go it says home admissions history fees contact and then one more post South Africans who have actually got a degree from the London School of Economics and then we just have a page so that that, that they just put it out there once and for all we never have to call them again. But Langamadonko claims across all of these bios over all these years of all of these websites and all of these posts of all these companies, he claims to have a degree from LSC, a degree from the University of Pretoria, a third degree from somewhere unclear where exactly that is, but some kind of university, multiple one year courses in things like chartered accountancy and financial management and all of this good stuff that you would need to manage over a billion rand of telecom assets and municipal pension funds. And these bios also claim that Madonko worked for JP Morgan, where he was involved in deals that total valued over 3.5 billion US dollars, not rands, US dollars. And these bios also claim that he worked for McKinsey and Company. You know, McKinsey of the state capture McKinsey, but not even just the South African office, the very prestigious Los Angeles office of McKinsey in the United States of America. In fact, Everything I just told you existed on the Summit Africa website until recently and in briefings mailers that they have sent to potential clients and investors over the years. Now, what if I told you that none of that that I just said is true? Not a single one of those claims. In fact, what if I told you that all that Langa Madongo has is a matric? Because that's all he has. He has a school leaver certificate A-levels, you know, the British system from growing up in Zimbabwe. That is it. Not a single one of these things. Like, you know, at least Tabi Leoka seems to have got up to master's level and then she just lied about her PhD. This guy doesn't even have a record or evidence of having gone to uni, not having even been admitted to university in first year anywhere. And yet he claimed all of those things, again, across numerous websites, numerous posts, numerous companies, numerous organizations. So the investigative journalist team that had uncovered this, they called him and said, what the hell? Which of this is true and which is not? And he said on the phone, just calmly, straightforwardly, he said, oh, no, yeah, I didn't do any of those things. He just got straight to the point. He got on with it. He was like, no, nah, I did none of those things. I only have an A-levels from high school. And then he said, oh, I, I don't understand how this could have happened. Must have been an administrative error. But... Oh, but where did all these companies with all their websites and posts over all these years get the same bio? And Madonko co-founded Summit Africa. In fact, until just a week ago, he was listed as a co-founder and investment principal of Summit Africa. And then mysteriously, just after the investigative journalists phoned them, that post went away. It's no longer on Summit Africa's website. But how on earth... Could all these different companies over all these years and all these different clients and investors get the same incorrect bio? And Madonko didn't notice. It didn't come up in a meeting or a, or a fireside chat or whatever. How on earth did his own company, Summit Africa, continually tell in all of their official correspondence all of these things that are not true about Madonko and he didn't notice? And what kind of administrative error actually leads to this? Like, can we just, can we just, because I feel like I'm going insane here. I feel like this is too insane a story to actually be real. So let's just, let's just stop. What kind of administrative error could have led to this? My 
best theory, and I've thought about this for a week. It's it's kept me awake at night. My best theory of what kind of administrative area it could be is that maybe there's somebody else who works at Summit Africa who's got this exact CV, and somehow their bio was assigned to Madonko by accident by some kind of secretary or administrator or copywriter or whatever in the marketing department, and then it was put out. But over all those years, and that exact person exists, and if that person exists, Madonko could have just said, oh no, it's actually Dan. It's Dan over there in, in, in co-founder finance. I, you're, it, it is staggering, the level of deception. So staggering, in fact. So impressive that some South Africans in the last week have been like, you know what, it's fine. Just leave him. He's fine. I mean, congrats almost. Well done. The hustle is immaculate. <laughs> like, how on earth could you pull this off? That's kind of extraordinary in itself. And many South Africans are also saying, well, if he didn't break the law, if he didn't break an oath of office, or if he hasn't brought reputational damage or whatever, if he's been doing a fine job, just just leave him. Just like let him keep doing the job that he's doing. Sure, he shouldn't have got there in the first place based on qualifications. But And then another group of South Africans have been pointing out that, listen, at the highest ends of business the end of business that we often, the public, don't get to see. Often, there are just fixes. There are people who know people. And no matter how much money or skills or qualifications you have, if you want to get the deals done, you need to be able to call the right people. And you need to be able to be introduced to them by mutual you know, connections, like maybe uh, Langa Madonko, who are the trust bridge, who can vouch for both sides and make both parties at a very high level with a lot of money feel comfortable doing these deals and maybe that's his function that's his role but then the lies still happened like imagine if you discover that you know the municipal pension funds have been he's been managing affect your pension or your savings or if you work at telecom or if you have a contract with telecom and you discover that this man like has been in charge at least partially in charge of your business deals of your money but your if Netflix or Showmax or, I don't know, HBO, Disney+, Plus, Vulu, whatever, Huzu, Vulu, whatever, Promax, whatever, has not already commissioned this and you're listening, jump now. I also find it really interesting, South Africa's response to this story in the last week, because people across the world love hustlers in fiction, in pop culture, like on Suits, for example. They laud the fact that people have been able to dupe and play the system and get into positions of power where they have maybe the pure talent or the work ethic or just the skill, to, the natural born skill to get there while dodging and shimming their way through the system. But in real life, many people have a very different response. They want justice, they want fairness. And I think, honestly, a lot of that comes from how many people are probably sitting thinking, but I've done the system the right way. I've paid my Jews, I've done my degrees, I've worked hard on those tests, I've learned the actual skills you need to be good at this, I've paid a lot of money, maybe incurred a lot of debt to be able to get into a position where I could have a job like that and then I just don't get it whereas this guy does instead of me. And that feels very unjust and very unfair, especially in a country with such terrible, terrible unemployment, with such a, uh, with such a massive unemployment crisis and with so many uh, you know, qualified degree-holding people sitting unemployed and jobless. So that's why this has been such a wrestling match in the last week, the story of Langa Leswe Madonko. So that's the first story on news worth knowing on the issue today. The second one is sincerely a matter of national importance because it's time to talk about CADA deployment. 
So when South Africans hear cater deployment, we all reasonably think, oh, it's that thing that the ANC does where they put really dodgy people who can't do their jobs into government positions where they have an enormous amount of power and then everything goes wrong and there's probably corruption and then these, you know, deployees of who are generally ANC loyalists just get spirited away and put somewhere else. But cater deployment can happen in virtually any kind of democratic system. The idea of cater deployment is this. When a political party wins an election, they get the most votes they get the powers over the functions of state. They basically get to run the government. And there are tons of government positions that need to be filled all the time in ministries or departments. And by and large, the ruling party that got the most votes has a degree of influence over who gets those positions by virtue of the fact that they're running the government. And yet, government's mandate is supposed to be that they should pick the person best suited to do that job really well, irrespective of that person's history or political persuasion. They're supposed to pick the best candidate for the job. But the response argument is generally that the ruling party is in power, is the most popular party, got the most votes in the election, and as such, the government needs to reflect the mandate, the the promises of the political party that they made to the electorate that then voted for them and voted them into power. So the response argument is, you should be filling government positions with people who are loyal to at least the vision and ideals of the ruling party because that makes them good candidates, that makes them appropriate for working in government where the job is the explicit mandate. The commitment of that moment is the political party that got elected trying to create what it promised for the country that voted for it over any other party. So cater deployment happens. It's called by different names in different places around the world. But fundamentally, no one really has a problem with a political party winning an election, coming into power, taking over the functions of government, and then trying to, you know, create the vision. It's what they were elected to do to govern on a particular mandate. However, the South African story is very different because the South African government, the ANC South African government of the last 30 years, has been riddled with corruption and decay and crisis, fueled by ANC members put into positions where they seem to have no skill, no ability, no competence to perform in those roles, often specialist roles in different departments. And also often corruption follows and then there are scandals and crises and money goes missing and infrastructure falls apart and government workers aren't paid. And we South Africans have witnessed the slow fall apart of many of the services and structures of government at the hands of cater deployment by the African National Congress. And that's why for a long time, South Africans have wanted to know what the ANC has been doing, what the reasoning is and what the moves, the strategic ideas have been behind the appointments that they have made the ANC of ANC loyalists to different government positions over the years, particularly because through multiple commissions and investigations, particularly the state capture one, there seems to be an orchestrated appointing of different people to different positions to aid the looting of the state's money for the Guptas and others. And so the Democratic Alliance has been fighting in the courts to force the African National Congress to turn over the internal correspondence, the emails, as well as the minutes of all ANC meetings where decisions were being made about which ANC members should end up in what government positions. Because the ANC has something called the Cater Deployment Committee. And the concern is that the Cater Deployment Committee has essentially become so powerful 
that it's essentially choosing which individuals end up in which government positions. Essentially, the idea is that ministers and government high-ups are supposed to select the best candidate for the job, but over the last handful of years, they haven't done so without the approval and go-ahead of the Cater Deployment Committee, and basically nobody gets a job unless the Cater Deployment Committee says they can get that job. And so eventually it went to the Constitutional Court. The Con Court ordered the ANC to hand over the minutes and evidence and all kinds of emails and correspondence within a week. They, the ANC tried to dally and delay. And then eventually they did hand it over to the DA. And funny enough, the DA and the ANC both released all the cater deployment records on the same day for South Africa to scrutinize. Well, that's actually not exactly what happened. They, they released all of the cater deployment records from 2019 onwards, but not from 2012 to 2018. And the DA is furious about this because 2012 to 2018 was the height of Jacob Zuma manipulating and changing the government for his own ends. Those are really the meeting minutes that we all want to see and read and mull over. And the ANC, (laughs) I'm laughing in shock and laughing actually in horror because the ANC did not hand over those minutes. And this is true because they say that they lost the laptop that held all of the minutes from all of those meetings. The ANC claims under oath, under police affidavit, that there was only one laptop between 2012 and 2018 that held all the minutes of all of those meetings and that it crashed in 2023, June 2023, which you may know is around about the time that everyone started to realize that the ANC would probably have to hand over all their catered deployment minutes. That's just unbelievably sus. That's not just fishy, that's rotting fish in Durban Harbor with this backlog of boats that can't get into the port fishy. So the fall guy in the ANC taking the blame is an ANC official called Tapelo Masilela who works in the deputy secretary's office. He swears... He swore under oath, affidavit with the police, that it was his laptop which contained documents from the deployment committee that crashed in June 2023. And if what he's saying is true, this guy is, look, I'm just saying he probably faked his qualifications to get his job because he seems extraordinarily bad at his job because he also claims that he, Tapelo Masilela, from the deputy secretary's office, deleted numerous emails on that very same laptop by mistake that same year in 2023 when the ANC were figuring out that they'd have to hand over all these records because his inbox was too full. His inbox was too full, so he by a mistake deleted all of these documents and records that he had on correspondence, on file, been sending between himself and others over that six, seven year time period. And even if you believe all of this, even if you take Tapelo at his word, you then have to somehow believe, swallow, that the ANC in all of those years, at the African National Congress, the largest, most well-developed, best-funded and most effective political organization in South Africa, did not back up the minutes to their meetings. They hadn't heard of Google Drive. They hadn't heard of Dropbox. They hadn't heard of notes on their phones. They hadn't heard of email. They hadn't spread it around amongst different people via an email chain. You have to swallow all of those things. Yeah. And I'm just saying that if you were dating someone and there was, you know, 
some kind of suspicion that they were cheating. And so they said, fine, honey, we'll hand over our phones and our tablets and our, all of our correspondence. Oh, but only from 2019, even though we've been dating since like the World Cup, the Football World Cup, you know, waka waka, eh, eh. We've been dating since then, but oh, all of my devices crashed. And so I don't have any of the correspondence from that massive period from 2012 to 2019. It's insane. And if that wasn't bad enough, Cyril Ramaphosa, who I'll remind you was the vice president of South Africa during the Zuma years, he testified before the Zona Commission of Inquiry into State Capture in August 2021. He said there were no minutes for the deployment committee while he chaired it. What? No minutes? But then at the same time, neither Paul Mashatile, who's the deputy president of the ANC and South Africa, the government, or former ANC Deputy Secretary General Jesse Duarte, or the current Secretary General Fikile Mbalula ever indicated that there were no minutes. In fact, they all, in various affidavits from 2023, confirmed that there were minutes from that period. So who's lying? Who's lying? And we do have the minutes from the first meeting of 2019. And in those minutes, they refer to the minutes from the last meeting in 2018. So, Mr. President, it's not looking good for you on the lie detector test. So we finally got these cater deployment records. And then also in the last week at the same time, another story happened where the DA lost a court case related to cater, where the DA lost a court case about cater deployment. And both of those stories, I think, became confused and tied together as though they were related to each other when they're not. So the Democratic Alliance had taken the ANC to court on the basis of the State Capture Commission uh, to try and get a ruling that cater deployment itself was illegal and unconstitutional. Uh, but they were already deep into that court case when they got all of these cater deployment records. And so the court ruling happened without these new cater deployment records being put into the court case as a new piece of evidence. And so without all of this new evidence, the DA was arguing to the court, it was the Gauteng High Court that sits in Pretoria. They were arguing that cater deployment should be made illegal because political parties shouldn't be able to influence the appointments of people to government positions. And the DA was actually slammed by the court, like really, really, really criticized for essentially, the court just said the DA was wasting its time. In fact, the court found that political parties are absolutely entitled to influence government decisions, all political parties. They said, we also conclude that the ANC, like any other political party, is entitled to influence government decisions, including the appointment of senior staff to public administration, as long as the bright line between party and state is observed it goes without saying that influencing government decisions is not the same as meddling in the affairs of government. But here's where it becomes tricky with this new evidence, and the DA will almost certainly go to court again. Because a lot of these minutes, even the minutes that we have, the not missing minutes, the ones from 2019 onwards, seem to show that the ANC may have gone beyond influencing government decisions and maybe by some interpretations meddling into the affairs of government. Because although many of the records are heavily redacted, the records show that government ministers had to wait for the go-ahead from the Cater Deployment Committee before they could make appointments. Which definitely sounds like the Cater Deployment Committee was making decisions that ministers and the cabinet, the elected cabinet in government, should have been making. So that's all set to unfold, I'm sure, in the coming months and years in the courts. But that's not the end of this story. 
because then ex-DA mayor, he was the mayor of Midfile, uh, his name's Bongani Baloy, he's since gone on to start his own new political party that will be contesting, I think, in 2024. He was the mayor of Midfile for a long time, from 2013 to 2021. And he says, he claims, that the, the Democratic Alliance is being hypocritical because they also practice cater deployment. They also do, he says. He claims that when he was the mayor for the Democratic Alliance in Midfile, he was required to submit lists of candidates for municipal heads of departments to the DA's federal executive before making appointments, which sounds exactly like cater deployment. And these were massive positions. They included city manager, chief financial officer, chief operating officer, chief audit executive, chief of police, chief of emergency services, heads of communications and marketing. They were very important. They were administrative roles, not executive roles. Now, executive roles are political appointments administrative roles are not. And so Bongani Baloi said, and this is the direct quote, when there was a vacancy for heads of departments, the municipality would undertake its recruitment process, but before finalizing, I would have to write to the provincial leader at the time, John Moody, with the list of candidates which he would table to FedEx, which is the federal executive. This was the standard procedure of the party. And Baloi said the municipality could not appoint the candidates without endorsement from the DA's federal executive. And former DA Gauteng leader Moody actually confirmed Baloi's statements to the media. Baloi claims that the DA is still doing this, and he even came with receipts. He came with specific examples. He claims, and remember, this is just Baloi's claim, and the DA has pushed back hard against this. I'm not saying Baloi is absolutely right here, but he said that in 2016, the DA federal executive stopped the appointment of Lindiwe Kwele as city manager of Tswane, even though she aced the interview processes and would otherwise have been made city manager. Then the municipality had to restart the process and ended up appointing somebody called Muketsi Mosola, who then had to leave the municipality after a corruption scandal involving an alleged 12 billion rand irregular tender. And that's not the only one. Tswane Metro's chief of staff, Maritha Ocamp, resigned in 2018. She was appointed to this position without having the necessary qualifications. So now there's a huge political fight happening because Ramaphosa is calling the Democratic Alliance hypocritical and demanding that they, the DA, release their cater deployment records. So this is a huge story with serious legal and political implications that will almost certainly affect the 2024 elections at the end of May. And that's that for News Worth Knowing for today on The Issue with Dan Corder. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday uh, on the far end of the weekend with our latest episode. It's a big one. It's an exclusive with high-ranking EFF Member of Parliament, Naledi Chirwa. It's an exclusive interview with her on the EFF's attempts to win the election nationally, but also specifically in Gauteng come end of May 2024. If you haven't yet, please go check out our Patreon. We've got awesome exclusive interviews with experts up there for subscribers, less than 100 Rand a month, and you are treated to an exclusive expert interview once a week. So four to five for the price of just one month of subscription on that site. Our latest one is with Youth Capital SA. They have released some fascinating, fascinating research on why South Africa's unemployment crisis is so bad. Right, have a beautiful weekend. Chat soon.